You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. You just never know. So today we're going to be talking about MacBooks. I mean, no. Today we're going to be talking about relational health. How do we transform our relationships? We are in a series that's titled Transformed. And and this series, we've been looking at a lot of different avenues of life that we face. And God has been doing such amazing things in every one of these places or one of these uh, uh, avenues of our life, like spiritual uh, transformation, physical transformation. As you know, look, at, I'm being physically transformed as we speak. And, and we're doing all these things moving forward to get better. So today we're going to be talking about relational health. But I, I want to start out by just giving you guys a, a, a joke real quick, okay? And so here, here's, here it is, okay? So there's a wife and a husband. And the wife asks the husband, how would you describe me? The husbands right away in here are going like, oh, no, we never want. (laughs) So the husband responded. He said, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. The wife looks around and looks at him and says, what does that mean? And the husband, he kind of steps back, gets that swag going. And he says, it's an acronym for what I think about you. The A stands for adorable. The B stands for beautiful. The C stands for cute. The D stands for delightful. The E stands for elegant. The F stands for fashionable. The G stands for gorgeous. And the H stands for you are hot. He goes, thank you. Oh, that's so nice. And then she says, but what about the I, the J, and the K? And he looks at her and he says, I'm just kidding. Anyone who's alive knows that we need help with relationships, right? (laughs) We all need help. Look at the obstacles that we face. Mother-in-laws. Anyone here have a mother-in-law? Father-in-laws. Neighbors. Co-workers. Brothers. Sisters. Aunts. Uncles. Teachers. Students. Principals, superintendents, the list goes on and on and on and on. And we find out that anywhere there's people, there are broken relationships. Anywhere there's people, there's potential of offense. There's potential of a a discord, of disruption in our relationships. So I want us to look at a passage in the Bible that speaks to the heart 
of this matter. And so we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. If you've got a Bible, you can go there. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on your, in your uh, handout. It'll also be on the screen. And I'm going to be reading from the NLT, but let me pray a blessing over this message. Father, I thank you for, uh, for this time that we have uh, together as we're assembled in, in, in this place to worship Jesus. I pray your blessing over every word that I will speak. I ask, Lord God, that you will give me the ability to speak clearly and in a way that's understandable. Lord God, that I can honor you in everything that I say and everything that is listened to. Father, I pray that it will penetrate receptive hearts and that uh, as we leave here today, that everyone will say it's been good to be in God's house. So we pray that in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. So the Bible says there, it says, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. How many of you think that's important? At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And God has given us this task, in your outline, if you have it, you can underline, given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Isn't it amazing when you, when you look at the context of Scripture and you see that in Jesus we become new and we become new so that we can make a difference in people's lives? So that we don't have to live in unforgiveness and in bitterness, but we can, also, we can live in harmony. So I want to talk about three keys that help us have a thriving relationship. Okay? The first key is that thriving relationships always start with who? They always start with God. You ever had a friend who said to you, I'll be your friend forever? And two years later, they come to you and they say, I hate your stinking guts. Maybe you didn't hear it that way, but maybe their actions kind of showed you that they're not real fond of you anymore. Anyone ever had that happen? I had a couple, when I first started uh, the ministry as the, the lead pastor, I had a couple that asked me over for dinner, my wife and I, and they said, Pastor, when, when I got there, we ate dinner, we had dessert. They said, Pastor, we are going to be your armor bearers. We will stand with you no matter what you're going through. Two years later, the husband came up to me and said, my wife and I are leaving the church. And they never talked to me again. And so when you, when you go through that, you find out that people will say one thing, but they might do another thing. Amen? In fact, life is made up of broken relationships. They're everywhere. Broken relationships are a product of this fallen world. We live in a world that's flawed. Amen? 
That's why we come to church, because we're flawed and we need a perfect Savior, and that perfect Savior is Jesus Christ. And so all of us come to a place where we find a broken relationship and it needs to be restored. And any time that we evaluate our relationships in human terms, we will always have problems. That's why Paul wrote, we have stopped. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. He said, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Now I want you to think about that. We stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Do we look at others through a lens of our humanity or do we look at others through a lens of what the cross represents? And think about this. How do we view Jesus? At one time, someone might have told us something like, you know what, Jesus has changed my life. And you might have told them something like, you know what, that's good for you. But I don't know if that's good for me. The reason you said that is because you were looking at Jesus through a human point of view. When you look at Jesus through a heavenly perspective, it changes the way that you view him. You view him through the heart of God. You view him through a heart of forgiveness. You view him through an avenue of restoration instead of brokenness. And it changes your whole perspective. So Paul said, we stopped evaluating others through a human point of view. We stopped uh, uh, looking at others like we looked at Christ at one time. Every person in here has an opinion. And when someone disagrees with our opinion, it gets us upset. Right? When someone messes with your opinion, they might say they're your buddy, but when they tell you, hey, I think that what you're saying is wrong, I think that what you're thinking is wrong, you're like, hey, dude, chill. You don't want to hear anything like that, right? But you can't transform any human relationship without a restored relationship with God. Everything starts with God. That's why Paul said how differently we know him now. See, we looked at Jesus from a human perspective, but when we come to Christ, it changes our whole outlook, and we start looking at him for who he is, the Savior of the world, the one that changes our lives and the lives of everyone else. Now, here's the thing. Religion doesn't help you here. Because religion always looks at the external. When you get religious, you judge from the outside. How are they dressed? How do they talk? How do they walk? Where do they live? Religious doesn't change people. God does. And God looks at our hearts. You know, when, 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 when JJ started that worship and he started talking about uh, worshiping with, with David, he wants to be there to be able to worship with David. David, what separated him from everyone else was not his actions. His actions were the same as just about everybody else around him. What separated David from everyone else was the heart that he had. He had a heart for God. And while everyone looked at David from a human perspective, God looked at him for his heart. And the way that David perceived God was different than everyone else. David perceived God with his heart, while everyone perceived God through a human perspective. Now I'm going to tell you something. There's someone in here today that you've never looked at Jesus through a perspective of forgiveness, once you receive that forgiveness, everything else changes. 
Everything else changes. The reason I say that religion doesn't help us here is because Jesus was talking to people that were religious one time. And he was saying to, the, he was saying to them, you judge everybody around you. And this is what he said. Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness or in their own goodness, and they scorned everyone else. They looked down on everyone else. Is that relational? Is that a relational problem when you look down on everyone else? Of course it is. You, have, you can't have a relationship. You think, I'm better than everyone else. And, and, and then he says this. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a, say with me, a what? Despised tax collector, not just a tax collector, but unliked, okay? The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters and sinners and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Was God impressed? Let's see. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he and he dared not even lift up his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. The literal translation says, he's saying this, I am the sinner. Don't look at anyone else, God. I am the one who has sinned against you. I have failed you, Lord. I have not done what is right in your eyes. I tell you, the sinner, Jesus said, I tell you, the sinner not the Pharisee return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to humble yourself before God, it will always be easier to humble yourself before other people. As long as you're self-righteous, as long as you think that you're better than everyone else, as long as you look down on other people, God's mercy and grace will not rest on you, and you will look down on everyone around you in your community, in your family, in your friendships, in your school, and everything else. The sinner had it right, saying, I am not worthy of anything. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your restoration. And his heart was changed, and the love of God was, be able, to, was able to penetrate him and change him forever and he left there forgiven. You see, God looks a lot differently at us than we look at ourselves. And there is dangerous territory in broken relationships when we are full of ourselves and make no room for God. It's dangerous territory for relationships when we are ashamed of ourselves and resist the help of God. But when we are down on ourselves and we admit our need for God, we open up room for reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. And when this happens, let me tell you something, when this happens in your life and your life is restored with God, your life and relationships will be restored with other people. Not until this happens will there be change in your relationships. There are some people in here, you need, to, you need to grab a hold of this. Your relationships will not change. It will go from one relationship to another. Broken, 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 broken until you fix it with God. You can't love others until you love yourself. 
And you can't love yourself until you know what love is. And you will not know love until you know God. The Bible says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Relationships are always distorted, they're skewed when our love is filtered through a human lens. And it's amazing how our realization of love changes when we look through a Christ-centered lens. Second key, thriving relationships progress with a new perspective. Have you noticed that most of us in here, we come with biases? Right? Think about it. Anyone from a, from a hometown that you were for your home team and you were biased against the other towns that you played against? Right? I'm from Lordsburg, New Mexico. We, we played against the Animus Panthers. We, we, can I say this? We, we hated them. And they were cool. Some of them were great people, right? But you, you're biased. You're, you're against that. Humans are, are notorious for, for putting bias. We're, we're notorious for, for prejudice. There's a lot more prejudice in the human economy than there is in God's. And we put a dividing wall between us and others. And I'm not saying that as a political statement. It's just a fact. If you look at history, you'll find that people are constantly putting barriers and walls between each other. There's old ideas. We're not going to change. We don't want change. Or there's old prejudices. And you see that it's passed from generation to generation. You know, it, we, we lived in a country where at one time, you know, there was eth ethnic uh, uh, race uh, divides and all these things. And those things, when you're a child, you don't care. You can play with a Mexican, an American, you know, a, a Mexican, uh, Anglo, uh, uh, Asian. It doesn't matter when you're a kid. You don't care. But as you grow up, you, you form these prejudices because they're passed down. There's old biases, there's past hurts, and they promote walls, political walls, cultural walls, economical walls, vocational. I do this job. I can, I can, never, I can never hang out with that guy because he doesn't do the job that I do, not to mention religious walls, and the list goes on and on. But Jesus came to break down walls. Jesus came to restore relationships. In fact, he may be calling right now. <laughs> if it's him, tell him we're here. <laughs> Paul said this, he said, Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles who hated each other. And, he's, and, and, and into one people, when in his own body, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hatred, the wall of hostility that separated us. It's only through Jesus that we look at people differently. It's only through Jesus that walls of separation are broken and relationships are restored. And can I tell you why the reason is? Because anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. 
If you belong to Christ today, you're new. Your prejudices are behind you. Your bias is behind you. Your broken relationship is behind you. God is here to restore you. He's here to reconcile you, to bring you into a right relationship with him. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. Not only does God make you a new person, God will give you a new perspective. You will look through a different lens. You will see things differently. And God is speaking to every one of us today when he says that our broken relationships keep breaking us every day until we allow God to make them right. Because at the foot of the cross, we look at everybody as equals. Amen? This is what's beautiful about this building. If I, could, if I could take a picture right now and put it on the screen, you'd see white, you'd see brown, you'd see black. I don't know if I see any Asians. I might have to put my glasses, but maybe some. Yes. And here's the thing. God sees us all the same. He gives us a whole different perspective. He gives us a whole different outlook. And he, this world brings so much brokenness, so many broken relationships that only God can restore. But when God restores us as individuals, then he restores us collectively where we're able to love one another and love others. Amen? Here's number three, the third key. We have to embrace reconciliation through the avenue of forgiveness. I'm going to give you the key to a thriving relationship. The main key is that it comes through and only through the avenue of forgiveness. I know that when I get out of LWC second service, as soon as my picture's taken with my wife, and I drive to that parking lot, if I want to go eat something, if I want to go to North Tucson, if I want to go to uh, Oro Valley, there's an avenue that I'll take. I'll take 77, and I can drive down there. I can either pick uh, Olive Garden. I can pick Red Lobster right there on Tangerine. Or I can go to one of my favorite places. I can go to Billy's, uh, a Chinese restaurant that I go to all the time. Or I can go to Chili's or all these different. But I know there's an avenue to get there. There's only one avenue to a restored relationship, and you have to take that avenue, and that is to forgive people as you have been forgiven. And can I tell you that forgiveness is a gift? I didn't do anything to earn the forgiveness of God. He gave me a gift because Jesus went to the cross and he bled red so that God could see me white, so that God could see me clean, so that God could see me restored. That blood that was shed on the cross is a gift for me and everyone else so that I can enter into the presence of God Almighty and walk with him. But not only for that, it's so that I could walk in harmony with people and not be pulled with the grudge and bitterness of unforgiveness, which tortures us every single day. The Bible says this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. 
oh my goodness, beloved. When, when God looks at James Reese now, he says, you're forgiven, totally forgiven. He's not holding anything against me. He doesn't hold my past against me. He doesn't hold my present against me. He doesn't hold my future against me. He has washed me clean. I can walk in a restored relationship. Who am I to keep my forgiveness from other people? How can I go daily and say, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to forgive them for what they did. They did this to me. As long as I don't forgive them, I am stuck. There's some of you in here. You're going to leave unstuck today. You've had bitterness against someone. You've, you've held unforgiveness against someone. And today you're going to leave them here. You're going to leave them with Jesus and you're going to be free. Can I tell you that one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, one of the greatest things, if not the great, the greatest thing that ever happened to me is I received the forgiveness that Jesus offered me. But the other, the other, let me tell you, the other one that, that was just as big was when I began to forgive others that had hurt me in my past. I could remember them like, like this, the school bus stop when someone told me something that just broke my heart because it was a, a family member that they talked about. It was true, but it destroyed me inside and I carried that for years. And it wasn't until I came to Jesus that he reminded me of that day that I was at the school, garden, school ground in the third grade and that, that the, the, the enemy said, I'm going to try to destroy your life by bringing this into your existence and you're going to hold bitterness and it's going to affect every relationship because when you hold unforgiveness towards someone, it affects everywhere you go. You, beloved, have got to receive the forgiveness that God has granted you so that you can be free for yourself. But once you receive that forgiveness, he gives you a task. He gives us something that we do. And guess what we do, beloved? We offer that forgiveness to others. The Bible says God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. You know, my job, and it's yours too, if you're a believer, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, your task is not to leave broken relationships. Your task is to restore them. Your, your task is to bring them to Jesus. Your, how, how can I tell people about Jesus if I'm not able to forgive them, if I, don't, if I don't make the choice to forgive them? How can I tell them about a forgiving God if I'm holding on to bitterness? Do you see where it doesn't make any sense? That's exactly where the enemy wants to have us. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Here's the wonderful message. Jesus went to the cross. He didn't have to. He never did anything wrong. He did everything perfectly. He went there to the cross because he loved you and he bled so that you could have life in him. And you can have it today. You can leave here forgiven. You can leave here restored. And I want to be a part of that process. See, I don't want to go to sleep at night mad at people or not forgiving people for something that's gone on. We don't have to. Here are two important things as, as I close, okay? First of all, you have to be intentional 
about reconciliation. It doesn't happen on its own. You can pray. And what's prayer? Action. When you pray, it's action. You may have to lovingly confront, which is action. You know, when someone comes to me and confronts me with something, I say, Lord, what can I learn from this? When I go to someone with love, I'm looking at their best interest. That's what God wants us to do. Amen? You don't continue to go through it. If someone's hurting you, you don't say, keep hurting me. Keep hurting hurt, me. Hurt, hurt, hurt. There's a time that you say, hey, dude, you do it again. I'm going to punch you in the face and I'm going to pray for you. No, no, you don't, you, don't, you don't punch him in the face. You may have to bring an unbiased, trusted person to help. You bring someone that doesn't have any, any, any uh, partiality. Say, will you please come? Will you, will you please come alongside and, and, and be unbiased and, and, and help us? You can look through clear eyes and they'll say, you know what? This is what I see. This is what I see. The second thing is, second thing we have to be willing to forgive we have to be willing to forgive forgiveness was at the heart of God when he sent Jesus to the cross every thriving relationship has an element of forgiveness working in and through them and let me tell you something forgiveness is a choice of, of our will no one can forgive for you Austin, you can't forgive for me, bro. I got to forgive for myself. I got to forgive other people. I can't forgive for you. Jeff, your dad, Coach Jeff, Coach Kud, I can't forgive for him. He's got to forgive for himself. Forgiveness is more, than, is more for, for you than it is for the other person. Sometimes people say, I can't, I can't forgive them. You don't know what they did. I, I can't let them off the hook. But as long as they're, you have them on your hook, you're hooked to them. You're hooked to that circumstance. You're hooked to that situation. You're hooked to that feeling. you got to release them and give them to God. And God will do things perfectly. Forgiveness is more than words. It's allowing our hearts to participate as well. Have you ever had someone say, okay, I forgive you. And two weeks later, they bring up the same thing again. You didn't forgive me. Forgiving and saying, Lord, visit this heart, visit this place. This is what they did. It made me feel this way, but I give them to you. There may be a, a broken relationship which is affecting all your other relationships today. And maybe today you can give it to God by embracing His forgiveness and extending his forgiveness and it'll be the difference between bondage and freedom and in your in your uh, uh, handout I, I hope you guys look at your handout I put an example of, of a prayer that you can extend forgiveness it's God I choose to forgive this person whoever it is and you know who it is because they, they, they drive you nuts even when you're sleeping or when you're going around you, they just drive you crazy they drive you crazy crazy for what? For, for what they did. And you put it down. They, 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 they lied to me. They cheated on me. They, they're, they're hurting me uh, emotionally, whatever. And it made me feel, you put down, it made me feel unloved or it made me feel cheap. It made me feel unworthy. It made me feel insignificant. Whatever it is, you put it down. And then you say, you, you go before God in this prayer. I choose to forgive that person. You write it down. And I release him or her to you in Jesus' name. And then you thank our Father in heaven 
You thank him for healing your damaged emotions. And you trust him because we walk by faith and not by sight. You trust him that your relationships will be healthy. And I can tell you from, from someone that had to go through a lot of stuff, a lot of hurts, a lot of people that have done things that you have to do this constantly. And when you do, you're free. You're free. And know that God loves you very much. I'm done. I'm going to close with this. We're going to do two songs. The first song is just for you to let God minister to you. Second song is for us to rejoice in what he's doing. Amen. You, I'll let you take over, Jay. You can go. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.